Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. But take your Bible and look over in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 37. Psalms chapter 37, verse 1. And, and there's just some things here that just encouraged me, and, and, uh, and I know it'll encourage all the students, and that's all of us today. Look at verse 1. It says this. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. <coughs> Excuse me. So the very beginning here of this chapter just says this. It says, fret not, or, or don't get worried, don't get worked up about evildoers. Uh, don't don't worry about things. You know, don't don't be envious or upset about about the way that the world's going, and and, and don't be envious of, of conforming to the world. Listen, there's one thing I just want to encourage our young people today is just be normal. Okay, don't don't try to be like the world. Can I ask you all a question? Is the world getting weirder every day, or is it just me? Okay, it is getting weirder every day. Okay, don't don't get weird. Don't be like that. Just be normal. Be yourself. You know, I'm I'm always just my head spins. You hear about it in the news, you know, the millennials, you know, the millennials, you know, the most intellectual society or generation we've had, the millennials are so smart. <laughs> it's also the only generation that can't decide which bathroom to use. I don't get it, but I'm not impressed. <laughs> That's never been a problem growing up, you know, but, but make a conscious decision, young people, just not to, not to worry about what other people are doing, not to worry about what's happening in the news, not to worry about those things. You know, our natural tendency, our natural tendency is to default to the negative. Do you realize that? We, we all default to the negative. Here's the proof of that. The proof of that is turn on the news. Is the news is an endless, continuous cycle of what? Good news or bad news? It's just always bad news. We just lean toward it. And we're in Facebook. You go on Facebook. You know, people, people don't sit there and argue on Facebook about something good, right? They debate all day long about something bad. It's always the negative. Just be yourself. Be normal, okay? You don't have to be like everybody else. Just be yourself. Be the person that God made you to be. Look at verse 2. It says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So, so don't be envious of the world's ways because, listen, don't look at where someone's starting or don't look at the middle. Look at the end result of what, what that lifestyle or, or what those problems introduce, okay? It's real easy. It's real easy to see something on Facebook and to see a post and, and you're seeing a snapshot. You're seeing, you know, one one-hundredth of a second of someone's life when, when everything's going great. And your, your, your easy tendency, young people, is to look at someone and say, oh, look, they're getting away with it. Oh, look, they must be happy doing that lifestyle, doing what they're doing. Oh, look, everything's great. Time out. Don't look at the beginning. Don't look at the middle. You consider the end result of where that goes, Okay. It's like someone driving down the highway. Driving down the highway the other day and a, and, and, and a motorcycle guy passed me like I was standing still. <laughs> and those of you that know how I drive, you know I wasn't standing still. <laughs> and it's real easy to look at that and say, oh, look, you know, the guy has got a, he's got a new, new, new bike and he's driving quick and, and he's not having any problems. He's as free as a bird and, and he can speed and, and he's getting away with it. It's real easy to look at that moment, that second, say, look, isn't that, that, that cool? I want that. That guy's getting away with everything. But you don't know if there's a cop over the, over the next ridge or the, around the next turn, or you don't know if there's an accident waiting to happen. You just don't know. I'll be honest. I was praying for a cop to be around the next turn. But I, get him so he doesn't get me. That's kind of what I was thinking. But, but, but don't look at that. You, you, you see the final destination. You know, a wise person says, 
I have one life to live and I'm not going to waste it. When you're, when you're 15, 16, 20, 25, 30, you, you kind of almost have that natural tendency. You just kind of think, well, I'm going to get another one of these or, you know, I'm going to, you know, reset or, or I get another chance at it. You don't get another chance at it. And when you get a little bit older, you get it to your 40s, you get to your 50s, you know what? You start to realize you're not counting up anymore. You're doing what? You're counting down. It's like, okay, the clock is ticking and I'm not getting any younger. You, you don't want to waste your life. And, and this verse is here saying, look, don't, don't be very cautious here. Don't just look at someone and say, oh, look, they're getting away with it. They're, they're living that lifestyle and they're getting away with it. You don't want to live a life that has regrets. I know, I know some people say, well, pastor, you know, that young person, that young person's got good intentions. Hey, let, let me just teach you something. <laughs> good intentions have never changed anybody. Okay? You can have really good intentions. Your direction determines your destination, not your intentions. Okay? You've got to get that straight. Say, what do you mean, pastor? Here's the deal. I wake up every morning and I've got good intentions to work out to get in shape. <laughs> Those good intentions, though, don't get me to the gym, don't get me on the treadmill, don't get me on the weight bench, do they? No. My direction, my direction, what I'm doing, that determines my destination. So, so don't be fooled by that. Don't be fooled by, well, I got good intentions. Well, you may have good intentions, but good intentions never changed anybody. Good intentions never helped anybody like that. You, you, you have a good direction. Don't have any years of regret. Don't waste your time as your youth. Have your end in mind. Don't, don't say, say, well, look at what they're getting away with now. But you have a plan for your future. And you say, you know what? This is where I want to end up. And don't just have good intentions about it, but have a direction, have a course that says, this is how I'm going to get there. Have a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what age you're here today. It doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. We can all have a destination, all have a direction, all have a plan for what we're going to do in the next week, the next month, the next year, the next 10 years, the next whatever, 20 years. It doesn't matter. Don't just live a life of good intentions. Live a life on purpose. It has direction. Look down to the next verse, verse 3. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord. Underline that. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. You know what's amazing? This book right here, I can trust and believe every word that's in this book. I can trust my Heavenly Father. Church, young people, you can trust this over your college professor. Okay, just making sure you're awake. You can trust this over what you're hearing in the news cycle. Okay, you can trust this over what the liberals are saying. <laughs> you can trust this over what the conservatives are saying. Okay? This is the book you can trust. It says, listen, I can trust the Lord. I can believe it. And, and you know what it says too? Look at that verse. It says, and do good. God says, trust me and do the right thing. It's, look what it says there. You'll dwell in the land. This is God's responsibility. In other words, saying, God's saying, I'll take care of you. You trust me and you do the next right thing. God says, you know what? I will take care of the rest. Your job is to trust me and to do the next right thing. Someone asked me the other day, say, Pastor, what is God's plan for my life? What is God's will for my life? I'll tell you exactly right now what God's plan for your life is. You want to know God's will for your life is? Do the next right thing. Parents, do the next right thing as a parent. Employees, tomorrow you go to work, do the next right thing as an employee. Employers, do the next right thing as an employer. The next right thing, just do the next right thing. And that's exactly what God's will is for your life. Just do, is it that simple? It actually is that simple. Just do the next right thing. God says, you do that, and you don't worry about the consequences of it. It'll work out. The consequences, what happens next, that's God's problem. 
You trust in God. You do the next right thing. The rest is God's problem. Look down at verse 4. It says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee, now look at this, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight in thyself in the Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, trust here is different than the word delight. And he says this, when I delight in God's promises, what does he say? Look at the verse. He says, he will give thee the desires of thy heart. Now, everyone just woke up and paid attention on me. He said, look at that. I'm just going to trust and delight in God, and God's going to give me anything that I want. <laughs> uh, I kind of wish that was what the verse said, but that's not what it says. The verse says what? It says God will give us the right desires in our heart. He's not going to give us what we want. God says, listen, you trust, you delight in my word, and guess what? I'm going to give you the right desires. The desires to do the right thing, to live the right way, to follow his word, to follow his principles. You, you delight in his promises. You trust in God. And God says, you know what? I will put within you the right desires in your heart. God, give me the right desires. And when I'm right with God and he gives me the right desires, he plants my steps. You want to know what to do, the right, next right thing? Just do the next right thing. God says, you know what? You have the next right intentions, the next right direction. You do those right things. You trust, you depend, you delight in me, and I'll put those desires in your heart. Look down at the next verse, verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So that verse says, commit your ways. So, so in other words, we look at these verses we read in this chapter. It says, well, I've trusted, I've delighted. Uh, my desires have changed here. Now I'm committing my ways. So in other, words, in other words, in my life, instead of me being in the driver's seat saying, well, I'm going to do what I want to do with my life, it's an attitude of saying, God, I want you to do with my life whatever you want. That's committing your ways. God, whatever you want this in my life, you're going to take, you're going to do. Do what you want with my life. Do we ever really have that attitude? Now, listen, that, that's not just for the graduate. That's not just for the young people in college. That's for every single one of us, every single day of our lives. Have you committed your thoughts and, and, and your desires to say, God, I'll sit in the passenger seat. God, I want, you, I want you to have the desires in my heart. I want you to do with my life what you want to do with my life. Do you, do you consciously think about that? You're going to go look for a job. You're going to go look for a car. You're going to go look buy a house. You're going to you're you're looking to do whatever, dating someone, married someone, whatever it is. You just say, God, I really want Your will in my life. God, here here's what I have. I've committed my ways. God, I want to have God's will uh, in my life. I'll tell you this. I, I believe that that all students. I'll just tell you. You may not like it, but I'm just going to tell you. I got an opinion. You got an opinion. <laughs> we all got opinions. I believe that every young person ought to go to Bible college. I really do. I just, I got a conviction about it. You say, why? Not everyone's going to be a pastor. Not everyone's going to be a missionary. You are absolutely positively right, and I am 110% okay with that. But I just really believe that a young person ought to take hold of these verses and say, God, I'm going to commit myself to whatever you want for my life. And, and during those college years is when we firm up our beliefs and they become personal. It's not mom and dad's beliefs anymore. It's not, it's not, well, this is what my church believes. This is what my mom believes. This is what my dad believes. It's what I believe. You firm it up. You, you, you get more solid in those beliefs. And those beliefs stay with you the rest of your life. How many of you still hold to some of the beliefs that you learned in college, good or bad? And to be in a Bible college and to even meet the right spouse, meet, meet, the, meet the mate that you're supposed to have. And someone that's got the same beliefs as you, the same convictions that you have. I wouldn't, 
I, I spent way too much time, way too much money on my kids raising them the way that I believe God had called me to lead them, not to let some nutcase professor ruin them in four years. It ain't going to happen, especially if I'm paying for it. It's just not going to happen. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. You got to be very careful. So what if God's called my kid to be a doctor or a nurse or, you know, whatever? Well, great. Praise the Lord. Then excellent. Then go do that. Do that after. Get, get a good, solid, biblical grounding in your faith and then go do it. Say, well, well, that'll put me behind, you know, a couple years. Yeah, and it'll also give you two degrees. also make you more hireable. It'll also make you more appealable to other people. You went to two different, two different colleges? Yeah. But how about this? Do you think God would honor it because you committed your ways to him? I think he would. I think he would. Why? Because this verse says it. God, I'm going to commit my ways to you. God, I want you to have, have, have full shot at what you'd like me to do. So, well, Pastor, what if, what if I'm just not called to be a missionary pastor? Great. That, that's totally fine. It's wonderful. But here's the deal, Christians. Listen, Christians. Whatever you're called to do as a Christian, it's still a sacred calling. And, and whether that means you're a, you're a ditch digger, you're, you're a grocery bagger, you're a scientist, you're the next president of the United States, I don't care, you know, whatever it is, it's still a sacred calling and you still need to have committed your ways to God. God, if this is what you called me to do, then I'm doing it with your blessing and I'm doing it for you. It is still a sacred calling. And I have no problem with someone who works a secular, that, that's just wonderful, it's great. But you better make sure that you're Christian first, Okay. And all that you do and all that you say and, 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 and your marriage and your family, that first and foremost, I'm a Christian. Well, I may be a scientist. That's nice. Be a scientist. But you better be a Christian first. Okay? Well, I'm going to be a ditch digger. Great. Be a ditch digger. But you better be a Christian first. And you've committed your ways to God and God and all that you do, all that you want me to do, God, I don't know what it is you'd have me to do, but I'm committing it to you, that whatever you want, and God says, listen, you do that. What does he say in those verses? We just looked at it in those verses. And God says, I'll take care of you. You'll dwell in the land. You'll be taken care of. And any success that you may ever have, God says, you know what? I'm going to make sure that you are taken care of. I've never known a Christian to starve. I just, I just have it to do what God's called you to do. Well, what's the next thing God wants me to do? He wants you, he wants you to get serious about your life and say, God, Here's my hands. Whatever it is that you would have me to do, God, I want you to take care of it. I want you to think about these things. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in what you'd have me to do. I'm going to trust where you bring me in my, in my life. I'm going to trust who it is you're going to bring in my paths. And, and church, if there's one thing I'd commit uh, or challenge you to do, and that is to commit your ways to him. Today, when you go home, commit your ways to him. When you turn on the TV, commit your ways to him. Tomorrow when you go to work, you turn on the radio, commit your ways to him. Go to work, whatever you're making widgets or whatever it is that you're doing, you commit your ways to him. Come home, be with your spouse, you're going to commit your ways to him. Go out and hang out with your buddies, you're going to commit your ways to him. So God, I want you first in my life. The Bible says this in this passage you just looked at. You trust, you delight, you commit. And God says, you know what? I'll be the one to move, I'll be the one to take care of you. Why? Because you put me first. Instead of having an attitude like this in our life, but have an attitude like this. God, whatever it is you have for me, whatever, whatever, I'm open to it. That's tough. Because a lot of times we're kind of like this. Ugh, I don't want to let go of that. I don't. Ugh. No, God, God, whatever it is you would have for me. Whatever it is you'd have for me. Whatever. Can you honestly say Boy, I just really want to have God's will done in my life. Can you honestly say that? 
Let me just ask you this, parents, let me ask this quick question. Would you really be okay? And just think about it. I mean, just honest, be honest. Would you really be okay if God called your kids to be a missionary in the deepest, darkest spot of Africa? I know you're all sitting there going, no, that's the pastor's kid's job. They're supposed to be missionaries in Africa. No, it's not. <laughs> but would you really be okay with that? God called your children to an inner city ministry. Would that bother you? Well, that's the pastor's kid's job. They're supposed to do the inner city ministry. No, it's not pastor's kid's job. What if God just, you know, what if God called, how about this? What if God called your children to be multimillionaires? Would you have a problem with that? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no one's saying, well, that's the pastor's kid's job. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is this, as it comes, it comes to our family, I'm, I'm making sure I take really good care of my kids because they're the ones that are going to decide what nursing home I go to. So I, I, I'm always going to be good to my kids. But, but, but whatever it is that God's called your kids to, are you okay to say, God, they're yours? I mean, really? Are you okay with that? Really? Deep down inside, are you really okay with that? Or is there a little bit of this? Well, it's kind of thinking I have my plans that's not committing your ways to God. That's telling God what you want him to do. Right? God, whatever it is that you would have me to do, whatever it is you want my kids to do, that's what I'll do. Not, well, I want them. No, God, whatever it is that you would have them to do, I'm okay. Isn't that a cool passage? So some of you think it's cool. Other of you say, that's annoying. <laughs> Go home, memorize that passage, Psalms chapter 37, a good thing. Listen, I want to get into our awards now, but I want to, I want to mention this because... There are some people here in this room that I don't know. I know most of you, but there's some of you, maybe today's your first time to be here. And I'm really glad that you're here, and I, I want you to feel welcome. Uh, the, the most important heartbeat of this church, if, if you're looking for a church or whatever, I just want you to know this. The most important heartbeat of this church is the fact that God loves you. He loves you, and he loves, he loves the world so much that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and pay the sin debt. And our, our job as a church is to make that known to every person we ever come in contact with. See, here's, here's how it lays out. Is Let me use my glasses here. Pretend for a moment this hands me and you. Pretend that my glasses are all the bad things we've ever done. Here I am. Here we are. But here's the bad things we've done. Pretend for a moment that, that this hands God, right? God's in heaven. <laughs> heaven doesn't have any sin. It wouldn't be heaven. It'd be hell, Right? God says, I'm holy, I'm just, I'm perfect. There can't be sin in heaven. But, but God says, oh man, but I love you. But ah, there can't be sin. The Bible says this in the book of Romans. It says, it says the wages or the cost, the Bible says this, the mortgage payment for that sin is death. Watch this. It's eternal separation from God forever in hell. Pastor, are you allowed to say the H-E double toothpicks word in church? Yes, you're allowed to say in church. Absolutely. God says, I love you so much. But, but listen, the problem is, is that debt that has to be paid, someone has to die. Otherwise, you know what? You will literally spend an eternity in hell. And I know people say, oh, you know, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson used to say, you know, I can't wait to go to hell to be with all my friends. You know, according to the Bible, Johnny Carson <laughs> will be alone forever with no friendship, with no hope. That's what the Bible says. Someone who hasn't put their trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and I don't know about Johnny Carson, but, but to say you can't wait to go to hell to be with all your friends, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Because the Bible says that it's eternal separation from God with no hope. That's the part that would scare me the most, no hope. It's not for a week, it's not for a month, it's not for a year. It's with no hope. Okay? 
God said, I love you so much, though. I'll pay that mortgage. I'll pay the debt for you. Watch this. The Bible says, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Look at this verse right over here on the wall. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what's that next word, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God said, I love you so much that when my son Jesus died on the cross, his death, watch this, paid that mortgage. The debt was paid and God says, all I want you to do is what? What's the verse say? Belief. Not go to church, not get baptized, not join a church, not give a million dollars. Although I wouldn't turn that down if you were to put that in the offering plate, but God says no. It's just it's a matter of simply believing. Well, that seems really easy. Well, it's easy for us, but it's hard for Jesus because He's the one that had to die and pay our debt for us. He paid the death, the debt of death, so we wouldn't have to. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine says this: For by grace you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not a work. If you'd stop believing in what you're doing and start believing only in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says that is the gospel. That is eternal life. God, I realize I'm a sinner. I can't pay it. But God, I believe that your son Jesus died for me. He paid the debt so I don't have to. And that alone is what I'm trusting in. That alone is what I'm trusting in. The fact that Jesus died for me. Isn't that just the best news? That, that's the definition of love right there, isn't it? That God loves us so much, his son died for us. That's an amazing thing. Listen, let's have a word of prayer. We're going to do our awards, do the graduation, and uh, we're going to get out there and put a hurt on a potluck, okay? All right, let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's wrap up with a word of prayer. So again, I don't know everybody here today. I just don't know everybody here today with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, no one's looking around. I just want to talk to you for a second, just me and you talking. Do you know for certain you're going to heaven when you die? Do you? I, I didn't say do you hope or do you wish or do you kind of think. Do you know for certain you're going to heaven when you die? That is a question you have to ask yourself and it's a yes or no answer, yes or no. If you're not sure that you're going to heaven when you die, the Bible says you can know for certain. You can know. How? By simply believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid that debt for you. You got a debt. You got sin. It needs to be paid for. That's the truth. Have you ever trusted in the fact, God, I realize that I can't pay it, but Jesus Christ died for me, and that's what I'm accepting. I'm a sinner. I can't pay for it, but I'm accepting what Jesus did for me. Pastor, that sounds so stinking simple. It is simple. It's meant to be simple. If it was complicated and hard... That would be a work. And the Bible says it's not a work. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. And for some reason, our pride keeps us. Our pride keeps us from just accepting the fact that it's a free gift. Because each and every one of us wants to pay for it. We want to do it on our own. But God said, stop thinking that you're going to do it on your own because you ain't. It's a matter of trusting what Jesus Christ has done. Father, I thank you for all that you've done. Lord, maybe someone here today in the quietness of their mind has accepted the fact that Jesus died on the cross and paid their sin debt. Lord, if that's someone that's done that here today, maybe someone's doing it right now. God, I realize I'm a sinner, but God, I, I can't pay that debt. But God, I believe that Jesus died and paid my sin debt for me. I accept that as the payment for my sin debt. Lord, would you work in their life and give them just a special blessing today as they become a child of yours or part of your family forever? It doesn't mean they have to go to church. doesn't mean they have to get baptized. doesn't mean they have to give money. It just means that they're a part of your family forever and that you'll never leave them, never forsake them. They could never be forgotten about. They have an eternity in heaven waiting for them. That's the most important news anyone could ever hear today. 
Lord, I thank you for our school. Thank you for those uh, uh, that are part of our school, all the volunteers, the many teachers we have, and the volunteers. And thank you, Lord, for all the people in our church that support it, even financially. We praise you, Lord, for their generosity. And we ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.